You are entitled to your sexual self. We encourage lurid listeners to be playful, enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. This show is for adults only. Hey, hey, lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is Rose Caraway, and joining me in studio is Big Daddy Dave Caraway. Say hey, Big Daddy. Hey, hey. First, we are in the mood to celebrate a lovely hot Valentine's Day, hey? Yeah. Get sexy. Um, Every day is Valentine's <laughs> that's Day. That's right. It Every should be. single day. <laughs> it should be. So we have two episodes for you. We do. So stay tuned after that first story because there's another hot one coming. Okay. The first one is going to celebrate Rachel Kramer Bussell's release of Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. And we're going to add a finisher to this episode, and it's Rachel Kramer Bussell's Candy Lovers Sugar Erotica. So we've got some sexy, we got some sugar. It's going to be a grand old time. That's a good Valentine's Day is what that yes, is. Yes, it is. Do we have any lured listener emails to get to? We do, we do. Dear Rose, I wanted to take a moment and just tell you that I'm so very lucky to have found your podcast. You and Big Daddy are absolutely amazing. Aw, shucks. <laughs> That's very sweet. I'm in my late 20s and experiencing a sort of reinvention, if you will. I've discovered what style I love and am emulating that little by little, day by day. My passion lies heavily with erotica, and the sexual passion that comes with it. I've realized at this point in my life that it's beautiful to embrace what you love and your podcast is helping me so much along the journey. I look forward to your new stories and have opened my mind so much to the possibilities of my kinks that my husband has been reaping the benefits. The confidence I'm gaining by embracing my love for all things erotic has helped me so much and I can't thank you enough for making this podcast. Ever your lurid listener, Monica. Oh, I thank you so much, Monica. Yeah, it's very sweet. You know, I can totally relate to the reinventing of oneself and finding that appreciation and finding that home within erotica that, that offers so many doors to pass through and discover yourself um, from the inside out. It's there's I've never found another place like that. Um, so congratulations, really. And thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm so glad you found us. If you have an email that you would like to send to us to express how erotica has helped you, we would love to hear from you. Our email here is thekissmequicks at gmail.com. Or if you're feeling brave, go ahead and give us a call at 202-810-KISS. Please do remember to give us permission to use your name on the air. I just want to let you guys know that this edition of Best Women's Erotica, this fourth volume, is by far... I think my best performance as far as narrating goes, um, the authors brought so much energy to this, and I think it absolutely has everything to do with it being themed around the outliers and risk takers. You know, the idea of facing what you want and putting it to words and, and vocalizing it and making it happen, it just translated through so well. So. I really want to right now just congratulate all 20 authors in this one. I just thank you for writing such great, energetic, charismatic characters and wonderful, wonderful stories. I really so much enjoyed doing this one. So, and thanks for, you know, to Rachel for putting it all together because I know it was not easy. 
Yeah, Rachel always does a really good job, mm -hmm. always. But, you know, she and the authors outdone themselves on this one. Mm -hmm. This one was something special. So seriously, guys, this is good. Whether you get the audiobook or read it or whatever, you, it's really worth your time. You should check it out. Yeah, I, I hella felt it on this one. So, oh, it was a joy. <laughs> All right. Before our story begins, check out our latest audiobook. In Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4, award-winning editor Rachel Kramer Bussell has gathered the hottest sexy stories starring outspoken women who daringly pursue love and lust. You'll hear about a single mom who goes back to college and gets some very hands-on education from her hot professor. An Amish woman tenderly revealing her most intimate desires and a woman who crafts the man of her dreams. From outsiders who lustily claim their place without apology, to women taking the boldest of risks with their hearts and their bodies. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. These sizzling stories are sure to make your heart pound. In iTunes, Audible, or on Amazon. Oh, and you know what, you guys, really quick, it's February, it's almost Valentine's Day. I just want to share some love and give a very special hot, warm hug um, and well birthday wishes to lurid listener Kenya. Thank you, darling, for listening to the show all these years. Love ya. And now, Jump by Rebecca Chase. Poppy's car rumbled across the gravel road, struggling to find grip among the spreading stones. The crunching sounds weren't enough to silence her oldest friend's panic-laden screeches singing from the stereo's speakers. Are you sure you want to do this? Because you should know you might die, Naomi explained as if she was sharing a secret. I'm not going to die. I'm not even scared, Poppy lied. I don't know why you're doing it. You don't take risks. You're the reliable, normal person that no one worries about. You know, the type that marries their first love and lives happily ever after. Silence descended. The only audible noise came from the loose rocks shifting under her tires. Oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean James. It's fine, Poppy replied, worrying the strands of her long black hair, grateful that references to marriage, love, and especially James were no longer accompanied by tears. He wasn't good enough for you, Poppy sighed. You sound like his mother, except, of course, I wasn't good enough for him. Relentlessly, she'd been made to feel like a working-class lottery winner. She'd ensnared the wealthiest man at university, James Mortimer, Jr. But she didn't entrap anyone. They were two students who had fallen in love. At university, his extortionate wealth and family estate hadn't been an issue. After graduation, everything had changed, and as his mother told it, 
She'd capitalized on his good nature and forced herself upon his set. She was a bitch. Naomi's shout barely came above the rattle of the car. Don't you know, darling, Poppy replied with her best Lady Mortimer impression, that ladies with good breeding are never cruel. But we know how to protect our interests from little commoners like you. She could nearly laugh about it now, but the damage done by James and his family had been lasting. After a year of being told what she should be while systematically having her spirit crushed, she decided leaving James was the only answer. Like I said, a bitch. But you don't need to prove anything to anyone. Naomi had identified her motivation. I do, Poppy replied, edging her car into a space near the runway. I need to prove something to shit. The figure in front of her had her slamming on the brakes, Her face tightened as the piercing sound of metal against metal scratched at her ears. Suddenly, the figure took a clearer shape, and she realized it was a nice one. That of a blonde guy with dark eyes and a full-lipped, white smile. He must have been millimeters from being crushed by her car. What? Naomi shouted. Words fell out of her head as he lightly touched her car hood. His big hand temporarily drew her gaze, before her eyes returned to his cheekbones, then his eyes. Poppy gazed at him with a mixture of awe and annoyance. Now her heart was thumping, and it wasn't due to fear. I almost hit this random guy. Naomi, he's gorgeous. I'm already imagining him naked. As an afterthought, she added, he's an asshole for stepping in front of the car, though. Get a photo of him, I want to see. She watched him step back, and she eased the car into the space taking the time to make sure it was perfectly between the lines, not caring how much it might annoy him. The stranger stepped around to Poppy's door, tapping the window lightly. She studied his eyes and hands. The imagery associated with the actions of his fingers was already making her blush. What would they feel like stroking her inner thighs? Poppy rolled down the window in awe of the cropped blonde hair that seemed to form like a halo around his head. Sorry, he said before being cut off by Naomi's booming voice. When you say you're imagining him naked, are you imagining doing other stuff too? Shut up, Poppy shouted into the air, but Naomi's voice continued to blare from the car's speakers. Because you haven't had sex in ages. Maybe offer him your boobs. Your lady parts probably wouldn't recognize a penis these days. Instantly, the wide-eyed stranger looked at her breasts. Shut it! I'm talking to someone who can hear you. Oh, okay, she lengthened the word. I've got to go. Have a good skydive. Hope you don't die, the phone cut off. Eventually, the stranger's eyes returned to hers, his cheeky smile making it impossible for her not to smile back. Welcome to Dalton's Skydive Center. The payment kiosk and briefing will be in there. He nodded in the direction of a dilapidated cabin. I look forward to you not dying. This is going to be the most thrilling experience of your life. It sounds like you need it. He offered her his hand to help her from the car, causing long-forgotten surges between her legs. But they lasted as long as his touch, flowing away as she watched him swagger in the direction of a hangar. She enjoyed the sight of his perfectly formed ass departing, until he turned around and caught her staring, the devilish smile still there. Poppy's stomach dropped as she surveyed the rest of the scene. 
A bright yellow plane pulled her gaze as she considered what it would take to make her jump to her possible death from it. Once payment had been given and they'd had their briefing, all the jumpers were tasked with finding their jumpsuits. The professional they'd be attached to during the tandem dive would find them in the locker rooms. One by one, Poppy watched the room of anxious and excited jumpers being led from the changing rooms for the pre-jump briefing with their professional. Only she was left. Her fingers fumbled with what should have been a simple zip. I'm doing the right thing, she muttered to herself. I am. Her digits shook every time she got close to gripping the mechanism. It's perfectly safe, she whispered. Getting hurt would only serve to make James's mother happy and prove that Poppy was the silly little girl she'd heard her snipe about many times. That James hadn't defended her was normal, but when he'd publicly treated her like a commoner, it had been the last straw. Wrestling with the zip once more, she repeated her recent mantra, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. Of course you are. Poppy looked up to find the hunk from earlier, watching her, the smirk still on his face. But not today, and not on my watch. For a moment, she stared back at him, anger at all who'd humiliated her forming into a tight ball in her stomach. The grip of her shaking fingers on the metal teeth caused fresh scratches as she stared him down. What's it got to do with you? He ambled closer. Let me help you. Due to his proximity, she could smell the earthy scent covering his skin. He smelled like James. A ball of anger flamed and she flinched away. You're going to need to trust me today or this won't work. I'm your partner in the jump. Without me, you'll be free-falling. His jumpsuit hung loosely from his hips, his arms not yet in the sleeves, and his white t-shirt clung to his torso, defining every muscle. The battle of thoughts continued inside her the fear of the next couple of hours making it impossible to focus on any one thing. Poppy stepped closer, relinquishing her dislike and fear of him, allowing him to reach her zip. He slowly drew it upward. You're shaking, he pointed out, unnecessarily. I'm guessing this is your first jump? First and only. Maybe not even that. You're doing the jump, he told her, his brown eyes wearing a hint of determination but only once we've gone through a couple of things. I'm Steve. I've done over 900 jumps and I've never died. If it was an attempt at humor, it was a poor one. Tell me something about yourself. Why do you want to do this? Does it matter? Her contempt was an attempt to mask her terror. Yes, it's my job to keep you safe, but more than that, it's to give you a fantastic dive experience. Sit down on that bench and help me do that. Take that stick out of your ass, too. It'll be hard to sit with a stick up my ass, she joked, relenting a little. If it helps, I can remove it. Steve dramatically pretended to remove it. His absurd mime broke the ice. Shit, he said when her story came to an end. That James treated you like crap. That's the simple version, but yeah. The shakes had eased as they sat, knees touching, on the locker room bench. Muscly thighs drew her eyes, and she barely resisted pressing tighter into him to feel his heat. And his mum was a bitch? I was given rules on what my role would be in the family. Nights he worked away became training sessions or her attempts at breaking us up. 
It wasn't unusual for her to parade his ex-girlfriends and women she deemed more suitable through the house. Steve shook his head in disgust. What did your fiancé say when you told him this? He suggested his mom was working in my best interests. Apparently, she was trying to improve my standing. She made it clear I wasn't accepted in their circle, and he fought to underline that. Stunned silence greeted her. His eyes appeared to appraise her face. Heat rose from her cheeks. Which is why I want to do the skydive. It's a bit of a fuck you to those who thought they knew me and decided they could tell me what to do. No one gets to tell me what to do anymore. Poppy's knuckles ached from the clench of her fists, her nails stabbing into her skin. Steve took her hands in his, his touch enough to soften her grip and ease her hands open. That's one of the best motivations I've heard. But I'm going to need you to relax. His fingers drew circles against her palms, sending shivers up her arms. You're angry. I get that. But you're terrified, too. Poppy opened her mouth to argue, but he preempted her fight. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. But save the anger for when you get to the edge of the plane door. It will crush the terror. The reminder had her quaking. Steve's hands rubbed up and down her arms. Do you trust me, Poppy? She hesitated. Sure. What have I got to lose? Your life? Her face fell. Sorry, I can be an ass. Let's check your equipment. Steve helped her into her harness, checking the clips. The intensity of his brown eyes raised her heart rate further. Maybe the increasing adrenaline was pulling her arousal with it, but she basked in the attention he gave her, enjoying the straps rubbing against her crotch when he grabbed them roughly at her shoulders to check they were tight. Once again, his proximity excited her, his scent no longer reminding her of James, but associating itself with the hottest guy she'd chatted with in a long time. It might be a blip, created as a reaction to the terror, but she indulged it. Gently, he popped the little hat on her head, his fingers stroking the nape of her neck when he helped her tuck her hair underneath. To show he'd finished, he gave her butt a quick pat. For luck, let's go. Everyone will be waiting. I'm not going to die, she whispered, conscious of his gloved hand tightening around hers. Steve led her to the plane, her body shaking with every step. The tap of the butt helped, she whispered in his ear. I hoped it might. Just so you know, you have my permission to do whatever it takes to get me out of the plane. Flight up to 13,000 feet was filled with thoughts of her former life. Flashbacks of times she'd been insulted, manipulated, and belittled came at her. The anger boiled, but fear continued to overwhelm it. The tiny plane was filled with skydivers, which forced her to rest against Steve's lap, practically sitting on his crotch. Every shake of fear made her wiggle against him, until suddenly she felt hardness against her back. Poppy stilled in surprise. Sorry, he whispered in her ear. Skydives and hot women rubbing against me get me excited. This moment is a lethal combination. His breath in her ear, along with the recklessness of what she was about to do, pushed her adrenaline higher. Poppy leaned into his broad chest, inviting the closeness 
pushing herself to touch him and forget the madness she was about to welcome. She watched the tandem divers, attached by a piece of coarse material, fling themselves out of the plane until it was just the two of them left. You ready to show James and his mum who you really are? He shouted. She shook her head, unable to see his reassuring eyes now that he was strapped to her back. You got this, Poppy, he shouted again, but she was frozen in terror. Suddenly, her jumpsuit collar was pulled away from her neck, replaced by soft lips. If you jump, I'll do more when we get to the ground. I'm desperate to kiss you properly. I want to touch you, get my hands on your skin, slip my fingers into your panties. It may have been a bizarre motivation tactic or genuine sentiment, but it didn't matter because suddenly the fear was gone, crushed by arousal. With a thumbs up, she declared her willingness to trust him. They threw themselves into the sky. Poppy couldn't remember when she last took a breath. Needles spiked her face before gloved hands positioned in front of her stopped the droplets of rain from attacking her skin. She needed to calm down. Vomit was beginning its journey up her throat. Suddenly, a jolt that took every limb with it swept her high. And peace descended. Steve had opened the parachute. You okay? He shouted in her ear. I am now, she hollered back. The beauty on display beneath her took her breath away. She was floating. Her hands wrapped around the straps above her chest as she swept her eyes left and right. The last year faded away. Memories carried on the breeze, leaving her free of their weight. Adrenaline, the thrill of falling and her acceptance of it, made her feel invincible. She didn't consider her death anymore. Instead, she reached for the life that James had tried to take away. Life wasn't for watching and hoping things would change, but for taking what you wanted and accepting the consequences. We're about to land. Steve's deep draw filled her insides. He was something else she wanted. I need you to lift your feet, fetal position. I'll land both of us. The speed of the ground coming toward them took her by surprise, but it didn't scare her. Poppy refused to be scared anymore. Pressure filled her ears as they hit the earth with a bump. You're laughing, Steve said as he unclipped her, struggling as she rolled around. I'm guessing you enjoyed it. It was amazing. I can't thank you enough for getting me out the door. Poppy attempted to stand and plant a kiss on his lips, but the loss of adrenaline found her falling to the ground. Steve's hands held her until she could steady herself. You don't need to thank me. You made it fun. As they headed to the locker rooms, still giddy with excitement, Poppy wondered if Steve had forgotten what he'd said in the plane before the jump. Feeling his hand against her back, guiding her, reinforced the promise she'd made to herself. She was going to take what she wanted. Risk didn't have to be a factor if she didn't let it. Standing in the locker room, all the other skydivers long gone, Poppy slowly gathered her things, deliberating her next move. Steve. He turned to face her, his eyebrows diving together in question, his mouth unmoving. Come here. He stepped closer 
his jumpsuit rustling as he moved, his slow gait suggesting uncertainty. Their eyes met as she lazily pulled down his zip, her earlier tremble absent. Take your jumpsuit off, she demanded. Submitting, he began to strip. Gradually, he revealed his body to her. Bare arms raised her heartbeat. But only when he yanked the suit from his legs and displayed his trunk-like thighs did she feel wetness collecting in her panties. His brows furrowed as she regarded his body. T-shirt, too, she requested without a smile. The possibility they'd be caught didn't concern her. She'd survived diving out of a plane. Nothing was off-limits anymore. Do I get to see you naked? He questioned, his voice wavering. With a wicked smile, she undressed, pulling her zip down with ease. As she pushed the sleeves of her suit down and off, she caught the sound of her mobile ringing. At first, she ignored it, enjoying the way Steve's eyes devoured her increasingly naked form. Soon she was standing in front of him, a blush of pink lace against her breasts and sex, the color matching Steve's flushed cheeks. Hunger emanated from him. Once more, her ringtone echoed around the locker room. Poppy grabbed it. Hello, she said before mouthing, off, at Steve while pointing at his boxers. I've seen your Facebook. You can't do it. I won't let you. Poppy recognized James's demanding voice instantly. I presume you're talking about the skydive, which is none of your business, she replied, barely registering his frustrated breath due to Steve's hard, seven-inch cock suddenly unleashed in front of her. Licking moisture from her lips, she imagined what it would be like to have it throbbing in her mouth, moving against her tongue. You're not allowed. I prohibit you, James shouted. Losing one's composure wasn't acceptable in his family. Your mum will be disappointed at your shouting, she replied calmly, flicking the straps of her bra down, grinning at the blaze from Steve's eyes. But you lost your chance to tell me what to do, not that you deserved it. Anyway, it's too late. I've done the skydive. But, he spluttered, girls like you don't do things like that. Women like me do what we want. No one else, especially men like you, has a say. With her free hand, she unclipped her bra. It fell to the floor, freeing her breasts. Steve waited, not broaching the distance between them until she beckoned him closer with her curved finger. Now, if you don't mind, I'm about to fuck a gorgeous guy, and I don't need your judgment putting me off. But, he stammered, you can't. I don't even believe you. You're full of shit. So what if I am? And James, stuck-up boys like you shouldn't swear. Their mummies wouldn't like it. Steve pointed at himself, silently requesting the phone. She handed it over. Bye, James, he said, before tossing the phone to the side. Poppy wrapped her hands around his biceps, giddy at the strength rippling beneath her fingertips. If I'm a good boy, will you tell me what to do? Steve growled, teasing her, pulling away and stripping her of her panties. His fingers stroked at her wetness. Poppy watched in fascination as he met her eyes, lifting one digit to his smiling mouth and sliding it inside. Someone enjoyed their skydive. The spectacle turned her arousal to agony. 
she'd never craved a man before. Pulling him closer, she brushed her lips against his. Surging horniness turned a chaste kiss into a battle for gratification. Steve's hands traveled down to her butt, kneading it as his tongue slipped into her mouth, massaging her with a skill that was foreign to her. Her fingers reached for his hair, bunching clumps of it in her hands as she fought to close the limited distance between them. She needed him buried inside her. So you presumed we were going to fuck. Someone's confident, he said playfully. Like you'd say no to this, she replied seductively, stroking his length, occasionally giving him a squeeze. He thrust into her hand with a groan, urging her to move faster, but she ignored his pleas, relishing her control. But I don't have protection. Steve opened his hand and she swiped the condom from him, ripping the foil with her teeth and sheathing him quickly. His eyes closed as his head tipped back. Wrap your arms around my neck. He grabbed her buttocks and lifted her in the air, shoving her against a locker, his erection penetrating her in one motion. Joyful screams filled the room. Although he was the biggest she'd had, her body stretched to fit him, pulling his length inside her. As he jiggled her a little, her nipples rubbed against his chest, causing her to groan. I want those breasts in my mouth later. I can't wait to taste them properly. He growled before finding his stance. His mouth was an angel and a devil, choosing to follow up his words with kisses that graced her naked shoulders. Fuck me, she whispered in his ear. He responded immediately, pulling out of her before thrusting inside again and again. Confidently, she matched his rhythm, pressing against his buttocks with her feet, pulling him deeper inside her with every slam of his hips. Poppy hung on, grateful for his strength, feeling the grind of their bodies against each other. It felt illicit. She was doing something that she wouldn't have considered before the jump. Never before had she felt so alive. The hairs on her arms, vertical, every inch of her skin electrified. I want to try something different, she said, breathing into his ear, sliding down and bending over, her hands against the cold metal of the locker, offering her sex to him. With a grunt, he thrust inside her once more, a hand gripping her hip, another reaching around to rub her clit. There was no loss to her rising orgasm. The position brought her more arousal as her pussy received the gratification she deserved. Their pleasure filled the room, moans echoing off the lockers. She'd never felt more in control of her wants. Again and again she pushed back as he thrust inside her, his length rubbing her walls as his fingertips continued to beckon her orgasm closer. Steve's grip on her hip tightened, digits digging into her flesh, a silent warning of his impending climax. Her heartbeat was out of control, with sweat dripping from his body onto hers. His fingertips rubbed at great speed. His cock filled her, reaching the spot that made her moan every time. He spanked her butt, shocking her and pushing her over the edge. I'm coming, she screamed, her body shaking, energy flowing through her into him and forcing his orgasm. He groaned as his fluid filled the condom, the heat from it surging deep inside her. Poppy collapsed, 
her hands starting to slide down the lockers, unable to hold herself up anymore. But his hands gripped her, pulling her upright and tight against him. They recovered quickly, suddenly aware that anyone could walk in. They shoved on their clothes, although Steve still took the time to kiss her passionately first. I don't know what to say. I've not done this here before. I don't do hookups, he said, twisting the waves of her hair around his fingers. Poppy didn't know if it was the sex, the jump, or something else, but she couldn't think straight anymore. Instead, she took his hand and brushed a kiss to his knuckles. Me neither, she replied. But let me give you my number in case you want to meet for a date. Walking back to her car, she turned and looked at the green field where they'd landed and saw Steve tidying up the parachutes. He gave her a sheepish wave, and she smiled back, wistfully, proud that she'd faced her fears and welcomed life's next adventure. That was Jump, written by Rebecca Chase. You guys can follow Rebecca at Rebecca Chase. Follow Best Women's Erotica of the Year at BWE of the Year. All right, you guys, for your second story celebrating Valentine's Day, here is the sugar to the sexy. Today's second story is about a woman who just can't shake a man. Oh yeah, we're gonna hit all those sweet romantic feels and throw in a dash of sticky, taffy-licious drama. Here is Tennille Brown's Cling, featured in Candy Lover's Sugar Erotica. Ford found there were certain things she could no longer hold on to. There was the silver belly ring she'd had since she was 23, her bed full of stuffed animals, some she'd had even since childhood, but she was a grown woman now, and it was time to move on. Then there was Sean. Sean Whitmore had been the last thing she parted with, and she found he was the most difficult thing to shake, even though she knew it was for the best. They had established the ground rules early on, after all. They would only see each other now and then. They would enjoy it for as long as it lasted, and after, well, they would handle it like adults. She had given it six months. A year, tops. But two years later, Sean was still around, and Lynn couldn't figure out why. He wasn't exactly what you would call a boyfriend. He was simply a convenience she occasionally sought refuge in until something better came along something real. See, at her age, Lynn knew she needed something that would stick, something that would still be there when she was old and tired and the sex had gone stale. She needed someone she could talk to, someone who shared her interests, someone she could build a life with. Yes, Lynn had her reasons for letting Sean go, but lying alone in her bed now, sleepless at a quarter past one, it was hard to convince herself of any of them. 
Maybe Sean was having second thoughts, too. If she was still thinking about him, wasn't it possible he missed her, too? Her heart began to race. Had he called? Had she fallen into such a deep sleep that she hadn't heard the phone? Lynn fell back against the pillows, glanced at the answering machine, and sighed. Of course he hadn't called. She'd told him not to. And Sean had obliged. He hadn't called, hadn't come by, hadn't even asked her friends how she was doing for 17 days. 17 days? Had it really been that long? She supposed it was possible. After all, it wasn't the days that bothered her. The days were easy. There was work and friends and things to clean or organize. But then it fell dark, and everything went sexy. The music on the radio, the shows on television. It was harder to think clearly at night. Harder not to reach for the phone, not to pick up her keys and drive to his place and tell him, never mind, forget what she said, forget it all. And every night it was automatic, like a silent alarm that jolted her awake like clockwork at a quarter past one. The sheets were tangled, clinging to her damp skin, and she lay there, alone, remembering how Sean always called after work, after she had already been asleep for two hours. How he would have made it to her place by one, and by a quarter past he would be in her bed, his arms around her, his lips on her. Maybe she shouldn't have fucked him that last time. Then she wouldn't be lying there thinking about what he wore the last time she saw him. What he smelled like, what he looked like, the last words he said, the way he felt those last few moments he was inside her. Yes, that was where she went wrong. But besides that, he was so fucking sweet, too sweet sometimes. He never had a bad word to say to her, even when she was being a bitch. And on top of that, he was sexy and charming and funny, and he smelled nice all the time, and she liked lying next to him, even if they weren't fucking. But she did like the fucking. Yes, the fucking was the best part, and Lynn knew she would miss that the most. She would take days off from work to stay home and fuck him. She would cancel plans with friends, move appointments. And all of that was fine when she was 28, 29 even. But she was 30 now, and there was her future to consider. Could she marry Sean? Have babies with him? She couldn't, and she knew it. After all, you couldn't expect the father of your child to bend you across a chair and fuck you until you couldn't breathe or speak, could you? So why couldn't she do it? Why couldn't she just forget him? Lynn glanced about the dark room. The answer was simple. Sean was still there. His cologne still clung to her sheets. His pictures were still scattered around her apartment. His shoes still rested under her bed. She had never gotten around to dropping it all off at his place. She didn't see the need. She didn't hate him, after all. And the breakup wasn't bitter. It was clean, cordial, the way it should have been. So she'd take it to him. That couldn't be so bad. She would pack it all up and drop it off at his door, and it would be over. Lynn exhaled and crawled deeper under the covers. Yes, she'd wrap this thing up in a tidy little bow, and that would be that. No muss, no fuss. She smiled. Her face sank into her pillow, and finally, at 2.45, she slept. Lynn 
gathered everything that reminded her of Sean and tossed the items one by one into an empty box. The things that actually belonged to Sean took up little space. It was those things he had managed to make his own that filled up the rest, like the glass he drank out of whenever he came over, or the CDs that he had played softly while they lay in bed, or the sponge she always used to wash him when they showered together. She picked up a wooden box that sat on the bar. She hesitated, flipping open the lid and peering inside. Lynn stared at the rows of saltwater taffy. He had gotten the candy for her that weekend they spent at the beach after she had gotten mad and they had argued. She didn't even like taffy. It was too sweet and made her teeth hurt, and it was so hard to get rid of even after you were done. It clung to the roof of your mouth for hours afterward. And if Sean knew her at all, he would have known better than to think it would make her feel better. But he went out and bought a box of it and sat it on the edge of the bed and fed her a piece. And it really wasn't that bad. In fact, it was quite good, actually. And she asked for another. He fed her one piece after another as she lay beside him in bed, letting her lick it off his fingers, suck it off his tongue, until he had found his way beneath the covers with her and she had forgotten what it was she was mad about in the first place. Lynn frowned and snapped the lid shut and tossed it into the box with the rest. She couldn't get distracted now. That was why she wouldn't call him first. She knew how that would go. Sean would get her on the phone, and he would take everything she said and twist it into something that no longer made sense, and before she knew it, she would be talking all soft and sweet, and the frown would have fallen from her face, and she would all of a sudden be whispering to him the many ways she wanted him to come fuck her. No, she would just pack everything and take it over to him. She didn't care if he wasn't there when she got there. As a matter of fact, it would be better if he wasn't. That way, she could just leave his things outside the door and be done with it. Lynn scanned the apartment for anything she might have forgotten before she grabbed her keys off the hook by the door and walked out. Lynn balanced the box on her hip with one hand and knocked three times with the other. She straightened her t-shirt and pulled at her shorts. She was careful about what she wore, sure not to put on anything he had seen her in and commented on. Nothing he had slipped over her head and tossed onto the floor. She listened for footsteps, for the radio or the television, but heard nothing. She knocked three more times, then placed the box down on the welcome mat. He was probably in there with someone. That was why he hadn't called. He had found someone else. Maybe there had always been someone else. That would be better, she supposed. It would make it easier somehow if he were in there fucking the shit out of some other girl. Lynn turned and walked away. But then the doorknob turned, and the door creaked open, and she heard his voice, low and raspy. Lynn? Lynn bit down on her bottom lip and forced her feet to keep moving. Lynn, stop. She heard his feet hit the pavement, felt him walk up behind her. She halted, but kept facing the street, afraid that if she turned around, she'd melt. I was just dropping by a box of your stuff, Sean, she said, forcing calm into her voice. You can't even look at me. Lynn closed her eyes tight. No, don't look at him. Don't look at the way his hair lies in soft, silky curls against his scalp. Don't look at the way his eyes look right through you, the way his lips curl up in that crooked smile of his. 
Don't look at that cleft in his chin and remember all the times you lay on his chest and stuck your finger there and smiled up at him. But Lynn did it anyway, and his skin was still that torturous shade of golden brown that looked kissed by the sun. He was shirtless, his bare chest tinged with the same knee-weakening glow as his arms and legs. His gym shorts lay snugly on his hips and brushed against his knees. He pointed toward his door. Look, do you want to come in or anything? I've got some lemonade. I could pour you a glass. I've got lemonade at home, Lynn said. She didn't really, but that wasn't the point. He was not getting her inside that apartment. Well, I just ran in from fooling around with my car, so my hands are kind of messy. Could you at least bring the box in for me? He held his hands up for her to see the oil stains on his palms. Lynn looked at him long and hard, thought of just turning and walking away. But instead, she said, and that's all. I'm just bringing it in, dropping it on the counter, and I'm leaving. Sean held his hands up in surrender. Fine. Lynn bent down to lift the box. Sean's scent slipped effortlessly inside her nostrils. His shorts grazed her cheek. She cleared her throat and followed him inside. Her eyes darted from corner to corner of the apartment. She hadn't wanted to see the ugly chair she had fucked him on, the shag rug she lay with him on while they watched a movie. She dropped the box on the counter, suddenly angry. Why the fuck didn't you call me, Sean? Because you asked me not to. I know what I asked you, but... But what? Was I not supposed to believe you? Well, yes, but if you cared at all, I thought you might have at least called to check and see if I was okay. Why wouldn't you be? You told me it was what you wanted. It was. She hung her head. She was embarrassed now. Sean shrugged. Well? Lynn threw her hands up, and the words came spilling from her lips. See, the thing is, Sean, at one point I really thought we could make this work. Like that weekend we went down to the beach for my cousin's wedding. I was excited about that. But then we were sitting there, and it was this beautiful scene. And she came walking down the aisle, just the loveliest thing you ever want to see, all dressed in white. And I watched her drift toward her fiancé, who was standing there, waiting with tears in her eyes. And I thought to myself, I want that, too. And suddenly I wanted to tell you that. But I looked over at you, Sean, and you were sitting there with your hands in your lap, your eyes closed. You were sleeping. You were bored, disinterested. That's when I knew. Knew what? Sean folded his arms across his chest. I knew that was all there would ever be with us. Well, there you go. I guess you did what you had to do then. Sean began sifting through the box. Is this everything? Lynn nodded. Except I was thinking that maybe... Oh, never mind. There. That was what happened every time she was near him. Everything changed, and suddenly she didn't know her ass from a hole in the wall. Look, I'm just gonna go now, she managed, before turning and reaching for the doorknob. Sean cocked his head and twisted his lips. He reached into the box and pulled out a CD. He pushed it toward her. This is yours. I don't want it. You keep it. Listen, Sean, just keep everything in there, okay? Even this? He held up the box of saltwater taffy. You love these, don't you? No, I don't. I never did. And if you ever paid any attention, you would know that. Besides, I don't have much of a sweet tooth these days. Well, you did once. You had one hell of a sweet tooth, if I remember correctly. Sean got closer, close enough to touch her if he just reached out.
Lynn backed away. Things change. Everything that feels good isn't necessarily good for you. She repeated in her mind the mantra she had taught herself on the way over. Don't let him touch you. If he touches you, then it's over. If he touches you, you'll be right back where you started, your head in the clouds, him clinging to your skin like mist. You get out of here without him touching you, without him getting so close that his scent seeps into your pores, and you'll be just fine. Sean opened the box and pulled out a piece of the wax-wrapped taffy. He popped it into his mouth. He held a piece out to her. Sure you don't want one? No, thanks, Lynn said, turning toward the door. Now, goodbye, Sean. Sean shrugged, his mouth moving slowly, chewing the taffy. Bye, Lynn. He reached for the doorknob, and before she knew it, he had done it. Had touched her shoulder. It was just for a second. It was just a little squeeze that meant nothing and everything all at once. And suddenly, she could no longer feel her legs beneath her. The doorframe caught her before she crumpled into a pathetic mess at his door. And she leaned against it a moment, fighting for breath, fighting for the will to walk away. But there was his hand reaching out to her, and she took it. She let him pull her to him, draw her close. Don't let him kiss you. You let him put his lips on you, and it's over. He starts kissing you and working his way down, and he does that thing to you with his tongue, and you're done for. And as if Sean heard the words, had peered inside her brain and knew just what Lynn was thinking, he brought his lips down on her, slowly. She tasted the taffy. She began licking the sweetness from her lips before it stuck. I'm not doing this, Sean, she said. This is what gets me in trouble every time. Exactly this. It was true. The man could fuck the good sense right out of her, could take off his clothes and present her with that glorious dick, and she'd forget her own name. All he had to do, all he ever had to do, was look at her, and suddenly she couldn't speak, couldn't think, couldn't see. And her clothes, bra, panties, and all, would slip off and she would be looking for the softest place to fall. That was why she should never have come inside. She knew that now. He ran his soft, full lips across her collarbone. He lingered on her neck, leaving a sticky trail across her throat. He was kissing her, and it was too late. He was kissing her and whispering in her ear, and she couldn't feel her legs beneath her. I don't want to be any trouble, Lynn, he said, never taking his lips off her. But you are trouble, Sean. You are. Her eyes fluttered closed, and she threw her head to the side, letting him kiss her shoulder. Let me be a little trouble then, just a little. Then you can be through with me, just like you said. If I'm no good for you, if you've got no more use for me, then you can walk out that door. Sean's breath warmed her neck, his fingers brushed against her arms. He pressed his chest against her breasts. Her nipples hardened against him. Did he feel it? Would he know that he could still do that to her with just a touch? Lynn stepped back, but Sean followed and his mouth was on hers. She felt the sharp edges of the taffy against her gums. It clung to the roof of her mouth, stuck to her teeth, and fell onto her tongue. They shared the sweetness. Sean's hands fell below her waist, 
fumbled with the front of her shorts. In one quick motion, they were undone and hanging loosely from her hips. Sean pressed deeply onto her lips, pushing the taffy into her mouth with his tongue. He moved it around inside, lacing her mouth with the bitter sweetness. Then he swept it back into his own. Sean planted sticky sweet kisses on Lynn's dark skin. He reached for her and brought her to him. His skin stuck to hers, clung to hers like glue. Sean reached around and slipped off her bra. He fumbled with her panties, pushed them over her hips and down her thighs. They gathered around her ankles. Lynn stepped out of them and kicked them aside. Sean leaned down and took one of her breasts into his mouth. The taffy had gone soft. Lynn felt it rub across her nipple, leaving its sticky sweet remnants. His hand fell between her legs, pushing her thighs apart and rubbing her cunt until she was wet. And then his fingers were inside her. Lynn was suddenly thankful for the wall behind her, for the support, when she felt her knees would weaken and she would slide to the floor. She reached down and touched him, wondering at what point he had become hard. He stepped closer. She felt him rubbing against her, his dick teasing her cunt. And then, like she knew she would, Lynn began to beg for it, was grabbing Sean by the wrists to bring him closer and whisper in his ear. Please, she said, returning the sweet kisses against his ear. Please, Sean. Sean spoke between kisses, between touches, between strokes. Do you want to be through with me? Do you want me to stop? Fuck that. Fuck everything I said. Lynn was breathless. Her mouth was dry. Sean held her arms high about her head, his hand holding her wrists. She sucked the sweetness from his tongue, from his lips. He then slipped his pussy-tinged finger inside her mouth, allowing her to taste herself. He slid in the remainder of the taffy, letting the taste of the soft, sweet candy mingle with the taste of her cunt. Sean reached for another piece of taffy before he kneeled in front of her. He opened it and held it between his teeth. He leaned forward and rubbed it over her clit, pushed it in and out of her pussy with his mouth. Then he devoured her. He pressed his mouth onto her cunt, his tongue darting in and out of her. She felt the taffy. She felt his tongue. Lynn reached down and gripped his head with her hands, pushing his mouth hard against her. Tell me again why we can't do this anymore, he asked, his tongue flicking against her clit. Lynn felt as though her knees would give in. She trembled against the feel of Sean's tongue inside her. She arched her back. I don't know. I don't... I'm not... I'm not getting any younger, Sean. Her breath came heavy. And how many orgasms can one have in a lifetime, really? Because after all the sex is gone, what do we have left? Do you even know me? Do you know what I like? She folded her lips, bit down on them hard. I think I do. Sean lifted her leg, threw it over his shoulder. Lynn pushed her calf against his neck, pulling him close. His tongue plunged into her, exploring the insides of her like a hunter searching for his prey. His hands gripped her ass and held her close to his face. He moved the taffy in and around until it was gone, and Lynn came in vicious shudders against his mouth. Sean rested his head there, his cheek warm against her thigh, his breath 
came in hard pants. He stood up and kissed her neck, her chin, and finally her mouth. She tasted the saltwater taffy. She tasted Sean. She tasted herself. She tasted remnants of herself. She savored the sweetness that lingered on his lips, bitter, sweet, then gone. At a quarter past one, Lynn jolted out of a peaceful sleep. She looked over at Sean, tucked comfortably beneath the covers. She reached beneath the sheets and stroked his belly, watched the calm that spread across his face. She relaxed against the pillow and nestled her chin against his neck and flicked her tongue against his ear. She would have to leave him, and she knew it. She exhaled. He reached over and rubbed between her thighs. She squirmed beneath the covers, her lips curving into a smile. Only it would have to wait until tomorrow, or maybe next week. Yes, she'd leave Sean next month for sure. you guys we hope you enjoyed the show the first story was jump by rebecca chase featured in best women's erotica of the year volume four these sizzling stories are sure to make your heart pound follow best women's erotica of the year at bwe of the year the second was cling by tenille brown featured in candy lovers sugar erotica Follow her on Twitter at the Real Tenille. You guys can find both of those audiobooks in iTunes, Audible, or on Amazon. Follow the show on Twitter at the KMQ. You guys can follow me at Rose Caraway and Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave. Subscribe to the Kiss Me Quicks newsletter and get the KMQ episodes delivered right to your inbox. If you want to support the show and get more sexy stories, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Don't forget, we love to get sexy reviews. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. The KMQ would like to thank the following musical artists. Broke for free. Voyagers. Little Glass Men. And the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4, edited by Rachel Kramer Bussell. I feel innocent as I open myself to him, as I wait for his cock to penetrate my well-oiled Lucy. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.